You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Good morning, church. Um, It's good to spend this fifth Sunday of Easter with you guys. Um, It's good to be here. It's been great to spend this. uh, This is actually our first as a family to go through the church calendar. So it's been great to walk through it with you. Um, And we look forward to many more. Um, The readings this morning were beautiful. Um, I loved reading through them this week and preparing for them. Um, Some of the things that I want to point out to you um, and we can talk about. um, Have you ever been in a place where you feel something is the right way? And then as you maybe gain more insight or you kind of uh, get new information, your thinking changes, or maybe you've had some discussions with people and it's like, oh, that's a new insight, or that's, that's new light to this situation. Um, or maybe even you're convinced of something, and then after further readings, you, you find out you're wrong. Um, this morning in our reading with, with Acts chapter 11, we see something similar going on there. Um, People have grown up in this Jewish tradition um, where they're they're so used to the way things are done. And then they they get a wrench thrown into their system. These people that are that are Jewish that have come into salvation through Jesus Christ and they've received Jesus Christ, they now see Peter. Someone comes knocking at Peter's door. We see Roman Gentiles come and knock at Peter's door. Now for Peter to go with these Gentiles is actually to make himself unclean. In the Jewish tradition, to be with Gentiles was to be unclean. But Peter, he actually goes with them anyways. And if we can read again from the message, it says, the news traveled fast, and in no time, the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem heard about it. They heard that the non-Jewish outsiders were now in. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his old associates concerned about circumcision called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd, eating what is prohibited and ruining our good name? Now, we may not be able to appreciate the crisis that this was presented to the Jews that Peter was now in the middle of, associating with outsiders, the Gentiles. But in his defense, Peter shares a vision. He shares a vision of a blanket of unclean animals that God actually makes clean and declares it to be profane to call them anything otherwise. So Peter, with this new assumption-challenging vision, fresh in his mind, goes with these men to their leader. And he's not willing to be disobedient to the Spirit. So we see that these these boundaries that, that these men are so used to, where they fenced in, are getting not just pushed back. They weren't just getting shifted around or changed. These boundaries were now being removed altogether. So it wasn't an idea of who's in and who's out, but rather God 
has removed the boundaries altogether and makes no distinction to who he is working in to bring into his kingdom. In other words, God is at work far beyond the boundary lines, already working in the lives of the people around us, even in those we might not expect. The great missionary theologian Leslie Newbegin gives us a helpful way of looking at this. He urges the church to interact with people as though the Holy Spirit is already working in them, has already touched their lives in some way. God alone determines who he will gather, not us. We don't set the expectation. He, we, he's gathered them, and he, in Christ he settled it. In Colossians 1, it tells us he will gather all things to himself. This is why in that psalm, when we were chanting it, the beauty of praise him, and it starts out from heaven, comes all the way down to earth to the deepest parts, and then goes back up, and it brings it all together. It was all created to expose the glory of God and to be gathered in by him. One writer says about it, as a flash of lightning flames through space and enwraps both heaven and earth in one vestment glory, so does the adoration of the Lord in this psalm light up all the universe and cause it to glow with a radiance of praise. So we see that the psalmist, not, he doesn't just recruit Jewish people, but he recruits all of creation praising God and responding in worship. And then we see in, in Revelation, we see it all culminate with the new Jerusalem coming down to the new heavens and the new earth. And in this new Jerusalem, we see God dwelling there with his people. It doesn't say what type of people. It says mortals. That's it. He makes no distinction about what type of people they are. God alone decides who is in. Now, interestingly enough, if we look back to our reading in Acts, we look at Peter's vision, God gives no requirement of how to consume this food. He says, get up, kill and eat. There's no cooking to a certain temperature that's expected. There's no seasoning to put on it to make it ritually clean. But God has already proclaimed it clean with no further requirements or preparations. I hope you see, you're starting to see the parallels of, of what, is, what it means for us in today's context. That God has opened up space for us as believers not to try and figure out who's in and who's out, who's in his kingdom, who's out, who's, not, who's allowed and who's not, but to figure out where and how he is already working beyond our expectations and our boundaries and how we can participate with that work for the sake of others. Now, church, this isn't to say that anything goes now or to throw holiness aside altogether. This is really important. It's not 
to deny God's justice and righteousness and glory in the world. Rather, it's to say that he alone determines all of this, not us. So what do we do with this? With this big idea of all these people coming in, with this ending of, 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 of time, where this new Jerusalem comes down, where Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. What do we do with that? It seems so big, so overwhelming. But Jesus gives us our steps. He gives us the direction in our gospel reading. He says, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, in all that I am doing and will continue to do, I want you to love one another. So this was no longer through some ethnic identity or socioeconomic status or national allegiance or religious commitment that the world would know that we're disciples of Jesus. So we don't, we're not tied to these things any longer. But it is to buy the love that you have for one another. And it's a love that we can only learn from Jesus. And so in our world today, we see this love is actually resistant to these arrangements, these politics, the wealth, the sexual identities, colors, and all the categories we place under other. The love of Christ floods these arrangements, exposing them as inefficient identifiers, and none of them determine who's in. Not a single identity you place on yourself or others determines their welcome into the kingdom of God. Only Christ, only his love makes that way. Only his name makes us clean. Only his body makes us in to the kingdom. And now every single person, no matter who you are, where you're coming from, is invited to receive this welcome in Christ. All are invited to turn away and leave behind who they think they were, who people have tried to tell them they are, in favor of receiving this name of love that Jesus places upon us, where he says, you are mine. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.